a plethora of top secret, highly secure locations across South Texas and maybe even beyond. This is the Spurs Insider Podcast preseason edition, the last preseason edition before we start to look at the season opener. And depending on when this podcast is making its way through the internet into your listening and viewing device, even though I know you're not viewing. We have some breaking news here with Express News sports editor Nick Talbot, the polarizing Jeff McDonald, Tom Ringo star, Orsborn, and your host Mike Finger. Just just seconds, if if not minutes, if not a couple hours before this podcast recorded, we, we had just earth-shattering transactional uh, uh, developments on the Spurs Insider beat. I will leave this up to let's let Ringo tell the world what just happened and and how the Spurs uh, nation foundation has has just been shook to its core. The Luca era is over. Oh. Uh, it ended with him being waived uh, just just about an hour ago. Uh, shook San Antonio to its core. Um, yeah, he's he's gone. Um, 19th overall pick in 2019, uh, never lived up to expectations, played more in the G League and, and got more production in the G League than he did with the uh, big club. And uh, the writing was kind of on the wall with uh, the way they used him in, in preseason. He got the start in Miami, but played sparingly, looked, looked a bit out of shape and against the heat. And yeah, they finally uh, let him go today. This is this is, you know, we're kind of making fun of of the momentousness of this occasion, but it is really out of out of the ordinary in that we can say sort of unequivocally that the Spurs swung and missed on a draft pick, which they don't do very often, have not done in the first round in a long, long time. This this was a miss mitigated in large part by the fact that a few picks later in that same draft, they. They scored with mm-hmm. Kelvin Johnson in the pick that came in the Kawhi Leonard deal. I guess I'll throw it over to the polarizing Jeff McDonald for what he thinks about this, the, the significance of, you know, basically letting a, a guy you drafted in the first round in the top 20 of a draft two years ago, let, letting him go and basically paying him a couple millions to leave. What, what, what do you think is the bottom line here? Well, for, first of all, let's talk about the, um, the, just the roster situation the Spurs are in coming in. Uh, to preseason. They have 17 players with fully guaranteed NBA contracts. Um, They're going to need to make that 15 by the time the season starts. So they're going to have to cut two guys on on full NBA guaranteed contracts coming to this camp. And that doesn't happen very often. Usually if you've got a guaranteed contract in camp, you're golden. But we knew there were two guys they were going to have to cut. And as camp went along, I think going into camp, I think there were probably or maybe maybe not going into camp, but as we kind of thought about this through the offseason, there were kind of four names on the list that I thought would be kind of on that bubble. I would have, you know, back in August, I would have said Drew Eubanks might be a candidate for this. I would have said yeah. Kata Bates-Giap would have been a candidate for this. I would have said Al Farouk Aminu would be a character candidate for this. And I would have said Luka Shamanich would have been a candidate for this. And as camp went along, as the preseason games went along, like, like Ringo said, the writing began um, to appear on the wall as to, to like, it wasn't surprising to me that they waved Luca today after watching what I've watched in the last couple of weeks. Well, I, I just want to point out, and this, this might be 
kind of self-evident, but the reason they, they came into camp having to, to trim two guys, like they, they had, they probably had in mind those same four names or at yep. least two names ahead of time. It's not like yep. they, they, they showed up to camp and it was like, Oh God, we have 17. We have two, too many. We're gonna have to get rid of two guys that we wanted. The reason they had two more guaranteed contracts and they had spaces is because they knew they had two guys they were willing to get rid of. Yep. And, and uh, so I think Luca probably could have changed their minds over the past couple of weeks. If he had showed up and, and, kind of just blown them away, become right. Sh- show them um, that he was in shape and, and, uh, and, and had learned something over the past couple of years, whatever. But I don't think it's like, um, our, our, our good friend, Don Harris posted a, a clip from the preseason game on Sunday in which shows Luca kind of giving up on a play. And, and it's the classic thing that pop hates. And it's, you know, it's no coincidence that he's waived the next day, but it's like that one play didn't get him waived it's you're already in position where you're probably not going to make the team where you have to to impress pop you have to impress that your teammates you have to make an impression and he just didn't do that yeah nobody no front office wants to waive a 19th overall pick who is still 21 years old after 36 games of NBA experience like i i feel like they and again i haven't talked to anybody today about this but i feel like they went into camp, just hoping he would give them a reason to keep him. Right. Give me a reason yeah. to keep you around. And it just, it, it didn't happen. And yeah, that, that pick ends up being a swing and a miss, which, which happens. And, you know, we can do this later if you want. It's the thing that GMs love when they have a bad pick. Uh, people that go through uh, guys that were picked after that guy and talk about, uh, you know, all the guys you could have had instead uh-huh. of Luka. <laughs> It's a fun game. It's a fun game for like fans and us to play, but uh, you know, right. also not always so fair. But like the next pick uh, was uh, Matisse Thibel. Yep. Which you, I mean, well, he's a great. He's a good player. I think if he didn't make an All Defensive Team last year, I'm sure he got votes. You could argue if the Spurs made that pick, they probably don't. They probably don't take Keldon Johnson twenty nine. That's exactly right. Um, but the other guys on the list, the red, the, the next pick was Brandon Clark. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, that, you know, that's a that's that's a good player. Grant Williams, Nasir Little was in the, on this list. Then there's some other guys that were that were p- picked that uh, you know you don't you don't feel like you missed out on Mafundu Kabingali. I can't pronounce his first name. I think he's been a couple places in wave. But there's some second round guys. You know, Nicholas Claxton for the for Brooklyn. He kicked the Spurs butts last year. Eric Pascal, like so, Halen Horton. Horton Tucker, mm-hmm. Terrence Mann, like there's, there was some, but a lot of teams can, can do this in a lot of drafts. So it's just, and I don't want to come off as an apologist or as like the, like a, like a draft nihilist where nothing matters anyway, but yeah. I, I, I will, cause like clearly this was a mistake. So when we give credit, when we give Spurs credit for all the great picks they made, you sort of have to acknowledge when they made a mistake, this was a mistake. They could have, any of those guys you mentioned would have been better picks. But I do want to point out that none of the guys you mentioned, if they would have made, if they would have picked those guys, we wouldn't be looking at a Spurs franchise with a much different outlook heading yeah, into right. the season than they right, are right, right, right. now. None of right. those were franchise altering mistakes. Right. And this is not me saying, oh, it didn't matter. Or right. clearly all these things do add up. It, it, it did matter. But like, they're still going to be in this, in the spot they are now. <laughs> like none of those, this, this wasn't one of those, like passing on Luka Doncic and Trey Young for Marvin Bagley type of things. Right, um, right. 
like you're, you're like, talking about just kind of minor shades of gray like here. The best, the, the best way to sum that up is, you know, if you had taken like Brandon Clark and Keldon Johnson would have been a really nice draft uh-huh. for the spots the Spurs are picking into those, but you know, what are you going to do? The, the other, the last thing, I don't, I don't know if you want to wrap up the Luca talk, but the last wanna, thing, I don't want a full Luca podcast. Sorry. The, la- the last, the last thing, then we can move on. I think just to put that whole draft into context, they were about uh, in 2019. They were about six weeks removed from just getting their butts handed to them uh, by Nikola Jokic uh, mm-hmm. and the different Nuggets in the playoffs. And it was sort of like this moment where they saw the future of the NBA big men. Like you need these guys that big guys who can dribble, who can play make, who can shoot from the outside, who can run the pick and roll. And no one thought Luka Shamanic was going to be uh, Jokic. Like nobody, nobody, nobody saying that. Nobody was thinking that. But the Spurs were looking for guys in that mold, in that role, and that that was kind of the 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 thinking at that time. Like this kid, this kid's young. Let's give him some time, and maybe he can develop into one of those sort of versatile do-it-all big men that that everybody in the league is coveting and is going to continue to covet. And it didn't work out. But that was the that was the context. That was the thinking. That was kind of the swing that they took, and and they swung and missed on that one. I think one of the things that we talked about all the people you can pick after, but Jeff didn't point out some of the people that picked before him. There's he's not the only bust in this draft. That's can't look at it that way either. Like uh, I can't remember even the, I can't pronounce the guy who got released from the Rockets just last week after getting traded by the Peak Pistons. Seiko, Seiko, oh, yeah, yeah. Then there's you know yep. Chumo Okiki at sixteen. Goga Bititi. I, I can't say half the guys' names. Every guy's name who's busted is really tough to pronounce for some odd reason. And this right above them, but there's you know four or five guys right above them. Uh, all but all guys haven't done much yet uh, in the NBA. So it's not like the Spurs are alone in this situation with the 2019 draft. It's only been two years, but and there are a lot of good role players in that draft. You go one through 14, and you're like, oh, this it wasn't a bad draft. You're not going to hit on every single pick. Only the Spurs do that. This is kind of the rarity when they didn't. I mean, apparently they need to pick 29th to get someone really good, though. People tend to give the Spurs like they forget about your Livio Jean Charles. They forget about your Nikola Mulatinov. Like this isn't the first time they've drafted someone in the first round that hasn't really right. completely panned out. I mean, it happens to every team. So it is what it is. <laughs> and when you, you want to talk about if you want, we can talk about players actually on the roster now. I mean, if yeah, you want to do that. When you're picking higher, like the Spurs did, they they seem going to someone else who's looking pretty good. You know, uh, this just the last pick, Josh Primo, looking pretty good so far. That's I was going to say, good time to segue to uh, Josh Primo. (laughs) Well, um, one one thing on the last um, Luca kind of ribbon on this conversation. Some of the some of the criticisms about the Spurs during the Demar Lamarcus era was. You know, they're caught in this era where they're kind of clinging to the past and they're not embracing the future and they don't know what they want to be. And I think when you move on from Luca, it's like, I, 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 I don't know. I, 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 there's a tendency to, to kind of throw good money after bad in some of these situations and cling to something that is already a, like a sunk cost type of situation. And I think that this move kind of proves like, hey, we're not, we don't have time to just kind of waste a spot on a guy as a long-term project anymore. One answer could have been just drop, um, just drop Aminu and Eubanks, whoever, and keep building 
keep keep sticking with guys who have some kind of potential. In a way, it does take some guts and humility to say we give up yeah. on our, our 19th overall pick a year before we really had to make that right. decision. Right. That's a much more succinct way to, to put it. Like, like there's, there's no, if you've made the decision as pop and, and the front office clearly did that this guy's just not going to help. I, 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 I think it's, it's fine to get rid of the guy now and uh, maybe he'll go off and have a good career somewhere else. A Lexi Wang many type career, not Lexi Wang many, who am I thinking of? Uh, uh, who was, who was the, who was the guy that ended up playing for the, um, for the Mavs? A long time Spurs project from way back in the Johnny Ludden days. Can you help me out here? I'm, I, I don't know what you're not describing. This is the worst game of like uh, password I've ever tried to play. The, the viewers, and I know they're not viewers, are screaming the name. The young center that they drafted. Jan Mahinmi. There you go. There you go. There you go. He never panned out with your with your local cagers. Went on because he just wasn't ready yet. And went on and had like a decent little NBA career. Maybe, uh, maybe Luca can do that. But go ahead, Tom, to uh, to your Josh Primo, what you wanted to say about him, who could be the steal of the 2021 NBA draft. That's what Thad Young said. He's he's flashing everything that they said he has the potential to be. Certainly did it uh, a couple of games ago. But Pop is, you know, wisely, uh, you know, kind of tried to temper all the talk about him and and isn't using him as much as he, as people would like to see, but, uh, he certainly, like I said, he certainly flashed all the potential that they, uh, you know, that they had in mind when they picked him. I mean, he's going to, I don't know that I'm breaking news here and I'm just kind of, this is my own speculation, but he's going to start the year in Austin. Yeah. Question is how, you know, will he stay there all year? How long does he stay there? Does he just, does he just blow the doors off the G league to the point where you just can't keep him there? But I have a feeling we're going to be arguing about Josh Primo being in Austin for a long time on this podcast, to be honest with you. I just, but he's different than some of the other guys they've had and that you can, you're already seeing him show up in NBA game, even though they're preseason games against NBA talent and showing up in a, in a certain way to where you could see him sort of just barging into the rotation or at least onto the, the, the NBA roster earlier than a lot of some of the other um you know, later first round picks the Spurs have had in the past. We've, we've talked about this before. I'm not, sure, I'm not sure if it's on the podcast or in media rooms or whatever, but in talking about some of the, you know, run through the list of the Spurs who have spent their year in Austin, uh, one common thread with the guys who ended up showing up in San Antonio, you know, after their Austin duty and, and really thriving is those guys dominated Austin. Yes. Um, Je- Jeff, you've mentioned this before. Derek White, DeJounte Murray, Lonnie Walker kind of did for a while, put up huge, huge numbers in Austin and just look like they almost didn't belong there anymore. And I think the Spurs see some value in letting a young guy do that and just really, really feel what it's like to, to dominate and succeed. And they think there is like that's a productive path for some of these guys. And Luca never did that. like Luca put up some big numbers every now and then. He should have been a triple double machine in the dream. In right. The G League. right. And so I realized we need to stop talking about Luca, but <laughs> one, one tell that it, he wasn't going to make it is he wasn't going up there and just kicking uh, G league posterior, you know, like, like the other guys did. And I think, I think the Spurs would, would really enjoy watching Josh Primo do that for a while and to kind of invite 
all the questions from the uh, from the public about, well, why are you wasting the this guy up in Austin when he could be doing that in San Antonio? Like they would they would love Primo to go up there and just just dominate and to have people screaming at them to bring him back to San Antonio. I think that's exactly the kind of career path they like for for these guys. And, and I've liked what I've seen so far. I mean, he he. One of the guys I talked to after he was drafted, one of the old coaches from Toronto, and I know this is ridiculous, but he said, like, the first time I walked in the gym and saw that kid, this is not, not the way he played, not how good he was, but his demeanor, the way he approached playing. He was always the youngest guy on the floor, always playing against old, older, older guys, sometimes grown men. Every time I walked into the gym and the first walked in the gym and saw him, this guy told me, I was saying, and that reminds me of a young Kobe Bryant, just the way he knew he belonged, even though all these other guys were were – Bigger, stronger, more experienced. And I, you see some of that even in these preseason games where he goes out there and, um, I mean, he had the big the big opening uh, the big opening game against Utah where he scored 17 points in 18 minutes. And I, I think he did miss that one shot, but he was 7 of 8 in that game. Um, and then Pop just kind of dialed the minutes back in the, in, the, in the rest of the games. But he plays at the end. And he plays in crunch time because it's preseason and, and they, you don't care about wins or losses. And, so there was that game uh, against Miami where the Spurs were down by three and Primo was in there for like 45 seconds at the end of the fourth quarter, got the ball in the corner and just let it fly. And it didn't go in, but it looked good and it was open and it was a shot he needed to take. And he was not afraid to take it in that situation, even though he was 18 years old and had just walked into the game in, in kind of a, a make or break situation. And he had a couple of those, a couple, a couple of those same kind of moments um, last night in Orlando, where he made a couple big shots. He also, because he's 18, made some rookie mistakes that almost cost him down the stretch. But you you don't see him get flustered or overwhelmed or um, look like he looks like he belongs um, at, at all times. And I think that's a pretty good first step. And is he not younger than uh, Luca was when he was drafted? Yes. I mean, yeah. Josh, yes. And he's the, I mean, he's the youngest player in the NBA. Not to beat the dead horse with the Luca thing, but um, it, th- there just never seemed to be a moment when you saw that kind of potential there with him. I mean, you, and, you, you, you saw the physical tools and, and you could squint and see a, a, you know, a 6'10 guy that could run the floor and shoot and that kind of thing. But it never really manifested itself in a, even a preseason game like, like we just saw. The last Primo. thing I would say about Primo is, though, that like fans that are clamoring to buy tickets for opening opening night against the Magic, uh-huh. uh, just to see Primo, like I don't know that I, you might Who's be doing disappointed. That? Who's doing that? I think there's, I think they're they're selling them like hotcakes. But I don't know. I'm just saying, based, going, based, on, going, based on going to see Primo, I, I'm just saying if you're if you're going opening night because you want to see the first round draft pick. Um, I, I think you're going to be disappointed. I don't know that he's playing a lot, like right out of the gate. I'm getting a, a text from the Spurs front office saying that they're threatening to uh, to pull Jeff McDonald's credential because they're trying to sell tickets, and you're just you're just ruining it. I mean, why why why, why not perpetuate the idea that they can go see the HEB Primo picks as uh, as our producer Luis has just mentioned that that's that's the big sponsorship deal. The HEB commercials are going to be off the hook with primo picks and that kind of thing. Um, and the fans and, are clamoring uh, to get into that uh, silver and black scrimmage on Wednesday. Now you will see a lot of primo in that with the, with dollar beer and the chance to but see a lot much, of primo. 
how much uh, money are the Spurs making off those uh, those ticket sales for the black and black and silver <laughs> skirmish, Tom? Exactly. How, how, how many beers are they selling? Uh, about the same amount of money they're making off parking that night, Mike. Which uh, <laughs> is zero dollars. Yes. So you got the dollar beer and you got the dollar soft drinks, though. Dollar beer, dollar soft drinks, free admission, free parking. Can All the right. fans? Can the fans yeah. during the scrimmage walk up to? Um, Either the polarizing Jeff McDonald or the uh, or, or Tom Ringo Orsborn and and like get autographs. Is that available? Only if, only if they're masked and fully vaxxed. And uh, we should we should pass along that you get a, a substantial discount at the Spurs fan shop that night as well. Do you? Yes. I mean, after I'm, after I'm Jeff. Right. After Jeff tried to ruin the Spurs, that's right. right. Yeah. Could I could I just interject just to make sure it's clear? No one. I don't want anyone to approach me, or speak to me, or even look me in the eye. If anybody was wanted to, I would. I would appreciate being left alone. That sort of goes without saying. Okay, Um, just making sure. While now, since Tom has has done um, his his duty and 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 gotten people interested in the Spurs and got people excited about going to see them. I, I should point out that that your local cagers, the the Spurs, are are not not requiring vaccination or or proof of negative tests for their home games, which is interesting. And I realize nobody wants to uh, have any hot takes on this, but it's happening in Dallas. It's happening in the in the liberal bastions of uh, Oklahoma <laughs> City and uh, Salt Lake City. Does that mean Kyrie Irving can play here? Well, we'll see. I I would, I don't know. I, I understand that there are levels to this and the Spurs are trying to get people in the arena and all that kind of stuff. And that's certainly their right. And everyone uh, kind of brings it on themselves on what they want to do with uh, their entertainment dollar and all that kind of stuff. So this is not a criticism. I, I, I'm just saying that uh, the, the Spurs are, are not doing that. We will see how that, I hope it goes well. I hope it goes well. I know I would, I would feel better covering the event if if that was in place but who am i to say how business should run itself what we're saying is if you come to the game you're not going to see luca uh-huh. you're probably not going to see primo mm-hmm. maybe you get sick like is that, is that what we're <laughs> no I'm not, I'm not saying that at all i'm not saying that <laughs> okay. at all. all right i'm not saying I, that. Just I, 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 I hope i hope that all of our listeners go to spurs games and i'm sure that all of our listeners are vaccinated or have had negative tests but just because we have that kind of erudite uh, uh, listenership. I mean, I, I, I think, I think our, our people are all over it. Our, our, our viewers, our listeners. So I, 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 nothing would make me happier than just right. nothing but Spurs insider viewers at a Spurs game. Just, just pack the house, everybody be vaccinated and, uh, and it'll be great. Far, you know, I'm not the host of this podcast. Far be it for me to like, uh-huh. uh, you know, traffic here. But do we want to talk to like players that are going to play about players that are going to play on the team, or do we just? Well, I mean, I mean that's that's one approach. Like it's it's a it's a podcast about a bas- to- if it's podcast about a basketball team, and you want to talk about about people who actually play basketball for that team. I mean, I mean I do, guess, you want, do you want to do? I'm, what I'm saying is, if you want to, you. Can. <laughs> okay, let's do 25 minutes on Amino then. <laughs> Go ahead. Which which players that are going to play would you like to speak about? Okay, let me let me pretend that I'm the I'm the I'm the uh, 
podcast hosts. Can I, okay. can I do that? I've never uh-huh. tried this before. Uh-huh. So first I've decided you have to pretend to not pretend. Uh, you have to be uh, an insufferable jerk. So I'm going to try that for the first time in my life. Uh-huh. First time. And then I'm going to ask uh, Tom Ringo. What I want to say is uh, uh, Tom yeah. Ringo, Star Orsborn, what are your impressions of the, the, the team in preseason? What should we, what we, what should we be looking for uh, besides Josh Primo? What That's we trenching for? stuff. Did you stay uh, up all know, night uh, thinking of that? Well, we I that. literally just came up with it. Can you tell? Uh-huh. We had that conversation, Jeff, uh, about who's going to lead the team in scoring. Oh, that's a good one. DeJounte. Uh, Murray, good, yeah. I think, was the consensus on press row. Um, I might I might be changing my mind, but I think I'm still leaning DeJounte because he's just going to have the ball in his hands so much. Yeah. Is that the uh, best case scenario or is the best case scenario for the Spurs ends up being Keldon Johnson? That would be my other guess after watching the last couple of games. Uh, um, I don't know what that yeah. best case. It's just an interesting dynamic in that there's no, there's, it's hard to tell. Like there's just so many guys you could see. Um, there's no DeMar DeRozan on this team where that was just sort of, a, it was sort of a shoe in year in, year out. He was going to lead the team in scoring. Um, so I guess it's DeJounte. He'll just have the ball so much, but, but, Keldon is sort of, you started to see flashes of this. Uh, like Pop said the other night, he's not just a bull in a china closet anymore. Like he's still got that sort of part to his game. But I, we've seen a couple like, I don't want to like oversell it, but a couple of Kawhi-esque turnaround fadeaway jumpers out of him. We've seen like a pull-up mid-range jumper out of him. He's starting to knock down just the catch and shoot threes a lot more um, with a lot more um, regularity than he has in the past. So I suppose that if he can get all that together, um, he could be the guy to lead your team to scoring. But we just, you know, DeJounte was the second leading scorer last year. Um, the leading scorer is off the, off the team now in DeMar. I think DeJounte is the guy, like, if you had to put money on it, that might be who I put money on. I liked a question you posed to one of the players in a recent post game. I forget who that player was, but you asked about what is the identity of this team going to be? And I, I think the answer, or at least the consensus from, from different people Kellen. is, yeah, yeah defense, defense seems to be uh, first and foremost on their minds. Um, and in Detroit, I, I did a story on the defense and I, I liked how the honesty from Jakob and uh, uh, Drew Eubanks talking about, well, it's not just the pieces that we have, it's the pieces that aren't here anymore. And uh, that's as far as they went, but still, you know, the, the message is clear. They, they seem by subtraction, they seem to think they've upgraded the defense and, and they, they have the pieces now to be a, a better than average defensive team. Yeah. You know, preseason numbers, don't count as we all know, but they're, they're a top 10 de- te- defensive team um, during the preseason. I mean, you've seen that emphasis at least. Um, obviously they're not playing against teams that are feeling their full roster of all-stars, but the, the Spurs are also in situations because it's the preseason where they're not playing their actual rotation either. So, um, you know, you don't put too much stock in the preseason numbers, but I mean, you have to like, well, you see, they're not going out there, except for that game in Detroit. Um, mm-hmm. They're not going out there and just giving up 30-point quarters like they were so much last year. Um, they've actually had four or five in this limited number of games where they're they're holding teams under 20 and a quarter, um, which is hard to do in today's NBA. So, 
I don't know that they're going to become, you know, this the top defensive team in the league or anything like that. But it was certainly a point of emphasis after being mediocre to bad the last several years um, to at least be competent on it. And, and we've seen we've seen stretches of that so far in the preseason. Absolutely. I guess we could make mention, too, of uh, Bryn Forbes in his new role and, uh, you know, pretty good start shooting the ball. Seems to be comfortable in that same role that he had in uh, Milwaukee um, after starting uh, uh, during his previous stint here in San Antonio. But, uh, yeah, he's he's shooting the ball well. And that's the other area they're looking to improve in, of course, is their three-point shooting with the addition of Bryn and Doug McDermott. Yeah, there was a lot of, I think, a lot of our uh, 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 listeners who aren't viewers, when they heard that Bryn Forbes was coming back, there was probably a lot of eye rolling. Um, and I think if they were if they were bringing Bryn Forbes back to start um, 82 games a year, I would probably join them in the eye rolling. But I think in that bench shooter role, I think he's, he's pretty, pretty good. I think that's a pretty good addition. Um, it's nice to have a guy, you know, after losing so much corporate knowledge in Patty Mills, Rudy, Damar, like it's nice to have a guy that's been on the team for a while um, or another one of those guys. So all, all that, Bryn's going to be a good addition to this. And yes, he's not, he's not going to help your defensive numbers so much, but that's, that's what bench players are for. I mean, you know, he's a bench player. He'll be, he'll be a different, he'll, he'll be, he'll be um, the things that drove certain, a certain segment of Spurs fans nuts about Bryn Forbes, the first go round here. Uh, I think will be lessened when he's coming off the bench and not starting. Am I allowed to speak again? Yeah, I think Mike can be the host oh, again. Are you still here? <laughs> are you still here? I thought you were watching like a long order. We're, we're going to hand it back to Mike at this point. <laughs> I've just been riveted by all this analysis over the past <laughs> several minutes. Um, of the, the, you know, the new host taking it in a new, new direction. Oh, and I would just meant that for that. I just meant for the one question. You were supposed to like uh, come take the mic for me at some point. Oh, I see. I, I mean, for the, the rest of the day, I, I just feel like I'd, I'm, I'm becoming obsolete, like a mid-range shooter in the modern NBA. I mean, Jeff McDonald has taken over the podcast and just uh, just dazzled everyone with. Well, I don't know. With, We're talking with, about with like players stuff. who are going to play on the team. We're yeah. talking to like players that matter, you know? Yeah, yeah I enjoyed you it. Know. It was good. Yeah, it was, it was good. I learned. I learned yeah. a lot. Of, I learned a lot. It was really good. Well, uh, a couple of players that are on the team that we could talk about too, and we're we're heading towards a supersize preseason podcast here. But um, I don't have dance class today, so it's fine. We can talk. We can keep talking. One thing I've noticed is Pop has, and I correct me if I'm wrong on this, but he's kind of gone to the the old keep one of your keep one of your star guards on the floor at every time, like. Teams have done this with who uh, uh, Harden and Westbrook in the past, and and not that Derek White and Dejounte Murray are that level. But am, am, am I wrong on this? But the, the, the way the rotation has worked, uh, he's he's kept tried to keep one of those two fellas running the show uh, pretty much the entire game. That is that that is true, and I am a, a fan of that. I'm also curious to see how much of that is related to uh, his backup point guard being injured the entire preseason. Well, that was the question that I was, that was the follow-up there. So um, what will that, what will that look like uh, when the guy he said is going to be the backup point guard is back? I don't, and I don't know the answer to that question. We'll have to, we'll have to see uh, where Pop wants to go with this. Then I, I'm, I'm kind of, a, I'm kind of the fan that, 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 I mean, I'm kind of the belief that, you, that 
I like either DeJounte Murray or Derek White or both on the floor at all times. But yeah. I, that might not be where they're going with this. I don't know. The backup point guard being Trey Jones, who did dominate during his uh, G League stint, albeit a short one last year. Yep. Yep. Trey is harder. And th- they like him. Um, they're, I think, people on this podcast who like him a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not totally on board yet just because of, I guess, sort of the size thing. And I, 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 I don't know. It, I, I'm not sure the pedigree is quite what like Derek or DeJounte were. And I don't think he's going to make that kind of leap, but I'm open to it. Sure. Like give him a shot. And, and, and Tom is absolutely right that the numbers in the G league were great. He was, he was pretty spectacular in the summer league too. Wasn't he one, he's one of those guys that looked like he didn't belong there anymore. Yeah. 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 I mean, he's a, he, he's a, he's a good guy to have in your bag, a good tool to have in your kit, guy to have on the roster. I'm, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what they're thinking exactly. I'm not sure he's an every night rotation player when, that you need him every night, but I think he's a guy that, you know, will definitely contribute for you in spot duty here and there. I'm thinking of like a Corey Joseph type uh, from back a, in the day. Yeah. Like poor that. man's Corey Joseph. Yeah. Since we, since we've heard that phrase uh, a couple of times here in the, uh, in the uh, preseason. That's a good comparison. Poor man, Dave Cowens. Uh, we've got a poor man's Pau Gasol, sort of burgeoning, at least, and Jock Landell, according to uh, who said that? DeJounte, I think. Yeah, that sounds like we have a poor man's championship team. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I do want to ask about Lonnie Walker, who we haven't talked to about much in this, since we're covering pretty much all the bases here in, in, in this preseason podcast. It seems like he's going to be coming off the bench. Um, two questions for the two beat guys, uh, Jeff and Tom. Do we think that he is going to embrace that? And how effective do you think he can be as that sixth man? Is he going to be a guy who can kind of come in and ignite stuff? Or is 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 he going to struggle with that? As, as A lot of good players have struggled coming off the bench in, in the past. Yeah, that's kind of how he finished the year last year was kind of that uh, bench, bench fire starter. And I think that's the role they envision him in. And it's a, it's a tough role because it, it can lend itself to some bouts of inconsistency. You get, you just, when you're coming off the bench, unless you're Manu mm-hmm. and you're basically a starter coming off the bench, um, you know, you can get into games where you're not, you're not in the flow of it as well, or you're not, you're not getting the looks that you were in previous games. So a lot of his, you know, game logs will look funny. Three points, five points, 18 points, two points, 20 points, like that kind of thing. And we've seen that this, this preseason um, where he'll have games where it's almost like he's just running around for 20 minutes and you forget he's even out there. And then there was a game like um, in Orlando where he was a huge reason they won that game. He had 16 points off the bench um, and was a big part of them jumping out to such a big lead in the first half. And he was doing it on, you know, with the athletic moves that we're used to seeing from him, but also an occasional three pointer. He was also uh, hitting jumpers uh, and getting to his spots that way. And, and, you know, I think that's when, I think the Spurs are, are especially their bench is, is going to be deceptively tough. If he, if he can, if Lonnie Walker is able to score the way he was able to score uh, in Orlando, but we don't see that every night from him. And uh, some of that might be him. Some of that might just be the, the role that he's in. That was his story as a starter as well, although it, the pattern last year was when when DeMar was out, he played much better. Right. 
And uh, so, um, yeah, but I think he'll embrace it. I, I think he earned um, uh, some points last year with the staff and, and his teammates. He, he was hurt. Uh, he had that wrist problem and it bothered him a lot more than I think he let on, but uh, with the, with the uh, problems that they had with COVID and, and uh, Derek White's injury, you know, he soldiered through that, didn't complain and, and uh, kept playing with pain. So, you know, I, I thought he showed something last year in doing that. I agree with that. Yeah, definitely. I believe there's a deadline with him coming up and, and, but we should mention that a lot of the things that we mentioned here, including this, uh, this Lonnie Walker decision coming up have been covered just expertly, eloquently, totally way more in depth than with the, uh, this, this, the host of this podcast who constantly gets in the way, uh, covered much better on expressnews.com and in the daily, uh, Spurs nation newsletter, which you can sign up for at expressnews.com where Jeff, the polarizing Jeff McDonald and Tom Ringo Orsborne have you covered every single day. One of the best websites on the internet people are saying. Um, that's what that's what I heard people saying. Maybe like a top five website on the internet, expressnews.com. Um, so check that out. Um, but that the the decision coming up is on the guaranteeing another year for Lonnie, I believe October 18th. Is that right? Yeah, it's not it's not guaranteeing another year. That's just when he can come up on his it's a deadline for him to get an extension. Deadline for an extension. Correct. Correct. Yes. correct. So if Again, they say, the host if is that, wrong. If that comes in, if that day comes and passes, then he becomes a restricted free agent next next season. And we got to think they're going to they've done this with uh, with all his predecessors. Or, or well, no, that's some, not true. I mean, they've, they've done it with a lot. But they, they, you're also looking like at a Jakob Pertle situation where they let him. Right. They let him go into river restricted free agency. Let and me ask you this. If they had it to do over again, would they have done it with Jakob? Maybe not because it worked out with Jakob. Like they kind of got him for a steal. Yeah. Yeah. It worked out pretty good. As I was saying that, I was realizing that there was a moment, the way that unfolded is they did not extend Jakob when they could have. And then he played really well that next year. And they were thinking, oh, we might should have extended him. And then it worked out in restricted free agency where they kind of got him on a great. Yeah. yeah. To, to your point, they did extend DeJounte Murray. They did extend Derek, Derek White. So they do have a history of usually doing that. So, yeah. um, but I think it could go either way. We'll see. But has Lonnie shown as much as those two at this point? I mean, that's, that's, I mean, that's an excellent question. You also don't have to go with the same numbers that they do with those two guys. An extension doesn't have yeah. to be the, the maximum allowable extension. I'm sure they that's could true. come up with well, some kind you, of. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. They, there could be something in it for both of them. Yeah. You know, the Spurs offered them, him a little bit less than uh, DeJounte or Derek got, and he has the security of of knowing where he's going to be. Maybe he plays a little better. I don't know. What I, What's also interesting is uh, because Lonnie was, uh, was he 18th overall? Was that when he was drafted? His, so his, his starting salary was a little higher than both Derek right. and DeJounte. So, yeah, they have, the, the, they have the ability to offer him more than those two guys yeah. got, but I don't think that yeah. will happen. Before we go, just I guess the last administrative thing is there's one more cut, right? And we'll, yeah. we, we can finish where we started. We we had one cut, the big breaking news to lead off the podcast. No more Luca. The other one I've thought since the since the day of the DeRozan trade that Amino was going to be the guy that would either get traded to somebody or waived because he just doesn't seem to fit what their what this season right. is all about. Right. Um, but I could be wrong. Like that. That's where my bet would be right now. No inside knowledge. 
Um, that would be my guess. Okay. Because he's, I mean, he's, I mean, he's 31. He's coming off two years of pretty horrific knee surgeries. He kind of plays a position on the wing that they're kind of want to stack with young guys that they want to play. Um, uh, and if you look at the preseason, he's, he's, he's made one appearance in the first four games. Like if you're not even getting on the floor during the preseason, then I think that's a pretty, pretty, um, telltale sign. Like Kata has gotten into two games and he missed two with a hamstring injury. So he, Kata has actually been hurt and played in more preseason games than Aminu has. So I think, I think Aminu would be a good fit for this roster if you didn't have to cut anybody. I mean, just in terms of having a veteran guy around, like they love him. They love him. He's, he's a, like a good sort of mentor, um, mentorship guy. I mean, he's a lot like Thaddeus Young, except Thaddeus Young is actually going to play a little as long as he's here. Um, so if the Spurs had the ability to keep 16 guys, I think they would be fine. They would love to have him around, but because you have to cut somebody and because this is a year where you're going, um, going young and learning and, and, um, and uh, you know, looking for progress from your young players. Um, I think he's, he's the guy that's going to be the uh, odd man out there. And I think, I think, I think that seems pretty evident. That's, that's the way things go. Sometimes it's going to be painful to see him go, but some, sometimes in life, you know, you have to make a, a few painful decisions, decide what you what you can live without, what you can live with, focus on the positive. The point I've told everybody is all these guys are on guaranteed contracts, so they're making the same amount of money from the Spurs this year, whether they're on the team or not. That's a that's a bright side, if you want to close on that note. No matter what happens, these guys are taken care of. They have security. Security should be prized and treasured wherever you could find it. It, it can be a tough thing out there to feel a little bit of security and feel comfortable with where you're going. So focus on the positives, even if even if the Spurs might not want you as a as 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 a young recent draft pick or as a veteran trade acquisition or even as a viewer, if they don't if they don't value you like you feel like you should be valued. Someone does. Someone out there does. And I, I, I just implore you to, to think about that and, 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 and to find that comfort where you can. Because in the meantime, we're going to be here for you on the Spurs Insider Podcast week after week after week, whether you like it or not. In the meantime, everybody out there should take care of each other and keep it real.